Welcome to the Sonic Velocity of Harmony radio show and podcast. A journey into the mysticism of music and sound with your host, musician, author, and Sufi mystic, Secunder Scott Von Hilt. The Sonic Velocity of Harmony is brought to you by a holistic musician with generous support from the Church of All in Burbank, California, and our friends at Personas Audio Electronics, makers of Studio One Version 3. Here's your host, Scott Von Hilt. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sonic Velocity of Harmony radio show and podcast. I'm Scott Von Helt, and I'm very proud to be uh, able to be here and share some insights with you about the mysticism of music and sound, which is a really uh, special topic to me. And what that really encompasses is a lot of different things. Uh, Music, sound, how sound affects the body, how sound can heal. Uh, It has a lot to do with healing outside of sound work. A lot of different things about the mystical path. And in particular, my mystical path of Sufism and uh, the, the message of Piero Murshid Hazrat Anayat Khan, who actually wrote the book, The Mysticism of Sound and Music, um, from which I draw a lot of inspiration and, and really has been a book that changed my life and, and brought me to that path of Sufism, brought me to his message that he brought over from India to the West. And uh, yeah, it's just been a, a really crazy journey the last 10 years, especially that I've been on this particular path. And in the last few years, I have uh, completed some training. I got initiated about 10 years ago on the Sufi path by my teacher, Tasneem Hermila Fernandez, who's a senior leader of the Dances of Universal Peace. And she was studied with Hazrat Nikon's son, Pierre Velayat. Uh, for over 35 years and she still continues to travel the world and share the message and teach the dances and uh, just has hundreds of students all over the the world and um, I'm very honored to be a a student of hers and she's been very uh, kind in guiding me in these last few years and and really helping mentor me to be a teacher and to to be able to spread the message more in the years to come so really grateful for her input and her help along this path then yeah i think uh six or seven years ago at a retreat that we had at her house um i met uh devi tide who's the head of the north american sufi healing order and she did a three-day retreat with us there which was incredible Uh, we worked a lot with sound a lot with uh, what we call wazif practice uh, which i'll definitely be explaining a lot more about in upcoming episodes and through the process of this weekend the invitation was put on the table that anyone that wanted to join the healing order could be initiated and so i asked and received initiation into the uh, sufi healing order from there i just really i really always knew that healing and sound went together i always knew that music was healing music was therapeutic i always knew that there were certain frequencies and things and certain sounds and tunings that really resonated with me and other things that really didn't resonate with me but resonated with others and that always i always took an interest in that i always wanted to know what it was that made Uh, One person really liked Mozart and another really liked Pantera. You know, I just always was really intrigued by um, what causes the the differences and the different variations in in sound and how it affects different people differently and that kind of thing. So through the course of that weekend and then becoming initiated, it was a quest of mine to get to another level of initiation, which is healing conductor, um, which would be 
making me a healer within the, the Sufi order and it takes a lot of training. It's quite a process to go through and there's a lot of stuff that comes up in your own life that needs to be healed and, and that's really the process. You learn how to be a healer by healing your own life and uh, I still have a lot of things to work on. I still have some things that I'm, I'm healing and working through but I was very fortunate that last year um, Debbie and I completed my training and I became initiated as a healing conductor and that opened up the door for me to be able to teach. So that really cemented my foot into the path I guess enough to where you know, I was really rooted and grounded enough to share it with others. So last year um, in August, August 16th, we had my very first group meeting out here in LA called Caravan of Souls. And we just actually last weekend celebrated our one year anniversary. And I'm very proud of that. And um, Caravan of Souls is really cool. It's uh, I get together with some people and we have a, a big vegetarian dinner that I cook and prepare with intention and you know I chant over the food and pray over it and say crazy little phrases like you know if I'm slicing up hot peppers you know and I, somebody's got a, I, I say if somebody's got a cold disposition or somebody has a cold heart you know spice them up with this this hot salsa or something like that you know so I try to cook it with the, the same kind of intention that I like to put into my music and so I cook a big vegetarian meal and then uh, we just kind of get to know each other a little bit during that time. Uh, it's usually a different group of people that come each time along with a lot of regulars. And then we, uh, we have a discussion about, you know, sound, healing, spirituality, a topic of, of that nature. And then uh, that lasts maybe 45 minutes or so. And then we go into a jam session and we do a jam with intention. And I have a lot of different uh, world instruments here, different types of noisemakers and uh, like a harmonium and an oud and some harps and other types of things that are just, you know, really different sounding instruments and, and very divine and celestial sounding uh, stuff. So... We have a really great time and I record all these events and stream them live and I'm sure we'll be cutting and pasting some of the stuff from those events into some of these podcasts but that really is kind of a a quick overview of where I'm at today and and who I am right now what I'm doing and uh, I thought with this podcast I'd go back a little bit in time and kind of go back through my history and kind of where I started and tell you a little bit about my own journey both as a musician as an individual in in the spirit you know as a spirit or soul uh, seeking and searching I've always been a seeker I guess the best place to start is where I first found my love of God and that would be you know I was raised in a, a Christian family a very strict Christian home and my dad was the church choir director and so I spent a lot of time in church from the day I was born and by the time I was eight I we, we had a certain Sunday morning service and the minister spoke and, and what he what he said really spoke to me and at the end he did an altar call and said you know if anybody wants to come down and accept Christ um, this is the time to do it and I just felt the tug at my heart to go down and do it and yeah I broke down and kneeled at the altar and accepted Jesus and became a Christian at that point and I really in that moment felt an extreme um, presence of the Holy Spirit, very real, and I and I felt that presence and I experienced it. 
at eight, at eight years old. And so it was so real for me and it cemented something in me, a, a real belief to where I didn't have to question, is there a God or is God real or things like that? I still had a lot of questions, I still do, but it really opened me to be able to kind of figure that out um, as I went along. But I knew that there was, you know, definitely something cause I'd felt it and experienced it. So moving on a few years, you know, I, I really immersed myself in the Bible, really learned a lot. Uh, I did Bible quizzing at church and was a kind of a award-winning Bible quiz champion, all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of that going for me and I was really immersed in the word. And, you know, as a teenager, I was, you know, very influential at school. I would read my Bible at school and take it to school. And I always listened to Striper, you know, and art class and Christian rock bands and stuff like that and turn people on to that kind of stuff. And, you know, talk to all my friends about why their Wasp albums were bad and all their other, you know, satanic stuff that they were listening to as bad because <laughs> that's really what I was being preached and, and taught myself. So as I went through my teenage years into my, you know, um, I think junior year of junior or senior years of, of high school, I had a situation where there was some dishonesty and some lies and some cheating and some other things that were going on, promiscuity and all kinds of other crap. Um, within our church and directly affected my family and uh, there was a lot of people within high high level positions in the church that were lying and doing things to cover up other people's lies and then they do things to cover up their own lies and then it uncovered other lies and I just I it, it's it separated my family from the church and separated a lot of other families from each other and the church and this was everything that I grew up in and knew so at that point I had to really question the integrity of not only those people but of the the religion of the the not of having faith or not of Christ I, I didn't have questions in Christ or questions of whether I should have faith in Christ I, I questioned the morality of the system of Christianity I guess and I saw it more as a system than I did a, a path, you know. So I went on a mission to kind of seek out truth for myself. And I found a lot of different things. And, you know, I, I even read the Satanic Bible because I wanted to know what it was that it was, you know, what's bad about it? What does it say? You know, I want to understand. And I, I got into uh, martial arts. I had a friend that really was, was good with the nunchucks and some things like that. And I got into martial arts and started studying Aikido and then did some Northern Shaolin Kung Fu uh, before eventually, you know, getting a, a good instructor out in L.A. and uh, learning Jeet Kune Do. But I, you know, you get into martial arts and of course everybody starts watching Bruce Lee movies and getting into Bruce Lee and so forth and that's when I discovered Jeet Kune Do, his art and I love the nature of how it was taking things from all different forms all different uh, types of styles of, of martial arts and really taking what was useful in the moment and bringing that out 
so it's not being stagnant in one form or one style i know karate i know jujitsu or i know this or that no he took from everything you know from even american boxing and chinese boxing and all these different uh, different types of wrestling and so forth so i mean he really took and and had this huge trick bag of of stuff but he really mastered every one of those arts and every one of those styles before he felt he could you know steal from it and take from it and use it as his own and i i really thought that that was compelling and it really it changed my viewpoint about how I was approaching my music at that time, you know, and I really, I always felt music had a deeper connection to the physical and the spiritual realm. And I felt that if, if you could play music and almost interject the chi energy or move the chi just the way that you do in, in a punch or a kick or something like that, where you take that internal energy and you throw it at your opponent or you move that energy towards your opponent, I thought if you could channel that into your fingertips and put it into your guitar or channel it through your voice and it could come through that way, how much more intense your music would be and how much more power it would possess and how much more it would affect the listener. And so I really started on a, on a mission to really gather all the information I could find about these kind of topics and, and that kind of thing and, and put it together into something cohesive and started writing my book Mind Over Metal, which at the time was the the Tao of Music or the Tao of Music. And um, so again, I was really into Bruce Lee, really into Asian philosophy, a lot of his work. I mean, he, he a lot of people don't know, uh, but he has a, a wealth of of books out there, um, tons of information that's been released in the last 15 years or so through his daughter and, and his you know family uh, estate. And just incredible philosophy that this guy had in his work ethic and, and everything. I and mean, we just know him a lot for his movies and martial arts and being a badass that, you know, could beat the shit out of anybody. But he really just had this amazing uh, personality and spirit. And it was a very spiritual man and really had that, that Zen philosophy life um, that he lived. So that was inspiring to me. And you know i i got really into taoism um through that and for a while i thought i was a taoist and that's kind of the you know i was going that way and i really saw all things as one and all things tied together and i saw this same thread of truth in all these different religions that i was looking at and all these different sacred books that i was reading basically all said the same thing they just said it in a different manner you know so it's like looking at the same picture through a different window um, you see it at a different vantage point, but it's still the same same picture. So it compelled me even more. It made me jump even more into studying, learning different aspects of, of uh, oneness and unity and really led me into more mystical teachings. And, um, and then in 2002, I believe it was, I moved from Ohio to Los Angeles. And when I got out here, I worked at uh, a music store and one of the girls that uh, I was friends with there was good friends with another guy in the DJ department and he said hey you should go check out this book he was telling her you know you should go check out this book by Hazrat Nayak Khan called The Music of Life and so she asked me if I wanted to go to this we had this great bookstore in LA um, for years called the Bodhi Tree uh, they closed down a few years ago unfortunately but yeah, she said, let's go to the Bodhi tree. I want to get this book. And I said, oh, yeah, I love the Bodhi tree. I'm in. So 
we after work we split and we went over there and she looked around and we found the eastern spirituality or eastern religion section wherever it was she's looking through and she finds this book the music of life so she's like cool this is the book i'm gonna check it out so she's kind of flipping through and i'm looking through the other titles and stuff that you know are by hazrat nikon there and i see a book called the mysticism of sound and music and this orange book and i pull it out and I look at it and I just see this man on the front holding this veena, this Indian um, stringed instrument, much like a sitar. And his image, just his his eyes, just looking at this image on the front of this book was so striking. And it just, I don't know, something about his image just jumped out at me and called to me. And the name of the book, The Mysticism of Sound and Music. I was like, wow, that's cool. What is mysticism? <laughs> I had no idea really. And so I started flipping through and looking at it and reading little passages and everything that I read just jumped out at me and just touched my soul. It, it was like putting a lamp on in my heart because he was saying all these things that I was trying to express through my love of music, through my expression of music, through my um, wanting to connect my music to a higher source or a, a divine source and so yeah seeing all that and and reading it and just kind of look i think one of the first lines that i saw was you know something about um one, you know this is really a big part of his whole teaching but that we're, we all have our own note within the symphony of the universe so we all have our own note and we all have to play that note and tune that note and fine tune it so that we have harmony in this symphony of life and, and man that just that wowed me it floored me because i'd never really thought about it that way i never saw it that way that wasn't what i was raised to believe you know i was raised to believe well we're christians and we're over here and we're we're going to go to heaven because we're doing things right and those are the buddhists over there and they're very misguided and those are the catholics over there and they don't quite get it right and you know that that's just how how I was raised and I don't know just when I read Hazrat Nayak Khan's work it just it spoke about a bigger expansive God than what I had known you know God was everywhere and in everything you know he says even even the rock is living it just needs another rock to strike against it to bring the spark out I mean those kinds of those kinds of insights I'd never really, I mean, Eastern philosophy, yeah, I'd been into more the Asian philosophy of, of Zen and, and Buddhism and Taoism and, you know, of course, Bruce Lee's um, take on all that. But the other side of Eastern, you know, the, the Indian Eastern uh, culture, I, I'd never been exposed to until I picked up that book. And it's it's completely changed my life that book has completely changed my life and it changed my viewpoint you know about why i moved out here and what i wanted to do i, I still wanted to be a rock star and i still wanted to make it music but i uh i i didn't have the same it, it wasn't about being a rock star you know i guess you know and i was really truly trying to be a rock star in all the terms all the ways that we know that term you know being famous being rich uh, being well known, you know, popular in in music and in the industry and all that kind of stuff, and you know, legions of fans and all that kind of thing. That was what I was shooting for. That was the aim. And the 
all the stuff that was really important to me inside about music was kind of secondary because the goal came first. Well, I have to get the record deal and I have to get the manager and I have to get the booking agent. And I have to have all those things lined up. So then that I have that big forum so that I can go out and share the share this, you know, stuff with everybody because I'll already be this big musician. And so that, that was kind of the goal. And, you know, when I, when I first discovered Sufism, or right as I discovered Sufism, I I was joining a band called Healer with uh, Ivan Deprune from White Zombie and an incredibly talented musician by the name of Martin St. Pierre, uh, who's a violinist from Cirque du Soleil. He used to be the conductor of the Montreal Symphony Orchestra. What an incredible project that was. It was really cool because it was mixing world music and rock music and metal and all the stuff that I was into and it, it really it was a perfect musical outlet for me at that moment and we wrote this album called Awakening and it was really during that time that I was having my spiritual awakening I was really awakening to my real nature and starting to understand that there's more than just repentance for your sins and you know living a certain code and waiting for that day to go to go to heaven uh, we can live heaven right now we can have it we can be it it's here and um, by having that divine connection we can live in that and so that that all intrigued me and really want to made me want to dive in deeper and within a few months i decided that I really needed that teacher guru disciple relationship and um, I, I sought out a teacher and discovered Tasneem and we spoke a few times and then I went to some classes and I think after five or six classes I really felt a tug in my heart to be initiated and when I say be initiated I don't know what, if a lot of people know what that really means or, or what initiation means I didn't uh, I you know you don't get initiated into Christianity so I didn't know anything about that um, but initiation is it's kind of like taking a pledge to walk right to stand on a path and to stay on it and to keep your feet on it it's it's really that but it's a lot more than that because taking initiation, you're, you're basically asking a guide to hold your hand. And when doing so, you're, you're linked to, and there's a, there's a real transmission and a link that's given to you through the glance, through the ceremony of initiation, where you receive, you basically become a link in the chain that already exists of all these masters and saints that are are part of the lineage before you. So through initiation, I was given the name Secunder, which is Persian for Alexander, um, very much taken after Alexander the Great, his name um, in Persia, they would have called him Secunder. Yeah, I was given this name and started uh, some practices and some things like that and began my journey and man what a journey it's been uh, I've experienced some incredible things uh, on this path and definitely know and feel and experience that link to those saints and masters and prophets that are part of this lineage peace be upon them and these are these are truths and realities. Yeah, it's not really a philosophy or it's definitely not a religion. 
it's really a path it really is a path of oneness and unity and it's a path of acceptance of others for who they are at their own station at their own place in, in life right now based on on that um, experience that they've had so far and loving the, that person in spite of the fact that they might not agree or see eye to eye you love them because when you look in their eyes you see the beloved because all there is is the beloved all there is is god god is everywhere he's in us all he's in every object he's everywhere omnipresent and that reality when you really dive into what that means and when you really put the time in and the effort in to practice that and to seek that through meditation through breathing exercises and practices that that help you stay centered and focused on your inner reality that's when it all starts to unfold um so yeah this this path has really just opened so much for me so that's a little bit of a, a background on kind of my you know how I came into spiritual life and things like that and, and where where I ended up with spiritual stuff at this point um, so kind of again on the, uh, to go back and recap on a, a different parallel my music um, you know again I was raised in a, a Christian home my dad was church choir director so I sang at a young age um, you know was singing in church programs and plays and things like that and uh, so I always had a love for singing at a young age. Uh, started out playing piano, but I was very hyperactive. I was a little Ritalin kid, and I couldn't sit still to really give it the, give it my all and practice and things like that and didn't take it serious. And then got a drum set, and that drove everybody nuts because I was so hyper and bombastic with it that I, I couldn't play it nicely. I had to play it crazy. And... Uh, so eventually, uh, my grandma went to a yard sale and, and got me a, I think, a, like a guitar for like five bucks or something like that. It was a, a Tysco, uh, I think from Kmart or someplace like that. And uh, it was an electric guitar. It looked like a Strat, and it was, you know, sunburst brown and all that. And it was just super cool. It sat in the corner for a long time, and a couple years really, and I, I didn't really do much but plunk around on it and kind of play with it. And then one day at school, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade, we had a music class still. Um, the music teacher said, you know, does anybody know how to play guitar? We're having this upcoming performance, and I need some people to, you know, strum these chords to this song, Grandma's Feather Bit. So... I learned the chords. Uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time played guitar, and so he taught me the, you know, the three chords, uh, D, G, and C. I learned the melody and the rhythm and kind of how to strum a little bit, and, and I pounded through that song, and I sang good, so I was able to play it and sing it, and I ended up playing it for the teacher, and she was blown away, and she's like, wow, that's great. You learned it so fast. You're in. So, you know, I school play comes up and I play grandma's feather bed and and that was the start of my budding music career right there it just really I took interest in it really fast and and really learned a couple other songs and then I decided to get lessons and found a teacher in town good old Freddie Kokendorfer I love Freddie good man it took you it took you know a few years of lessons from Fred and and really got my chops together really learned a lot about reading and theory and that kind of stuff which I've now pretty much lost a lot of that but as I got really serious about it I, I got real serious about it and 
I, I just, it was my life, you know, playing that instrument just changed me because just being able to plug in, come, I come home from school a lot and I'd be really frustrated because I was hyperactive, like I said, and I had all this pent up energy and sitting in a class all day just didn't, didn't fare well with me. So I'd come home like frustrated and, and, you know, agitated and all that kind of stuff. And I, I could just plug in my guitar and just jam and just let all that out. And it felt so good and it was natural to me, you know, and it just, it came quick. So within a few years, I got, I got really good. I started playing, when I was about 12, I think. By the time I was, you know, 15 or 16, I was like a little shredder. You know, I was really, yeah, Joe Satriani was my favorite guitar player and I could really play a lot of his tunes really well and do them justice. And I ended up playing at a jam night one time at a bowling alley. I was 17 and uh, played surfing with the alien. And I, I went in there and I asked the guy at the bar at the bowling alley, I was like, you know, look, I know you have this jam night. I bowl here with my buddies on the weekend. You know, I know it's a bar, but I'd really like to come in and, and play a song. And he's like, well, if you want to have your parents bring you in and you play a song and, you know, just keep your nose clean, don't drink or anything, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I went in there and I played this this tune and at the end of the night the owner there the the bar manager comes over and he's like, Hey, you interested in starting a band? And I'm like, oh, I never really thought about it. Well, a couple months later started a band called Kings Over Aces. And uh yeah, it was a cool it was a cover band and you know, here I was a junior in high school, like playing two, three nights a week in a bar <laughs> and you know I was really surprised at the time that I was able to do that. I couldn't believe my parents would let me do it because my, my dad was pretty strict about things. And But, you know, they were going through all that other stuff at that time that I, I was unaware of um, or oblivious to, I guess. So, yeah, moving on from that, I did... I decided I, I'd start writing and I got a four track and you know a drum machine started learning how to do all that stuff putting it all together and I put together this really cool demo and then decided to go in a studio and record it so at 17 I went into a six song you know solo guitar EP and got a little bit of notoriety around town for that and pretty soon I got a call from a manager well I got a visit it uh, work from the manager of a band called Vatican and Vatican was one of the bigger bands in the the northern Ohio you know heavy metal scene at that time and definitely the biggest band in our our little town and their rhythm guitar player had left and they said hey would you like to come out and audition and I said yeah that'd be great so they gave me the stuff and, and uh, auditioned and and got the gig and and that was a lot of fun. It was really a great way for me to, you know, get my chops up and get out there and do some bigger stage productions and stuff like that. And then that was where I met my dear friend, Sean Lowry, who uh, was the drummer, who ended up, he and I splitting off uh, eventually and starting Theater of Madness, which eventually became Kurai. And yeah, I had a good 13 year or so run with Sean and, and uh, still a great friend of mine. And you can look him up under Mr. Sawblade Head or Sawblade Head Designs. He makes amazing art and sculptures for musicians and stuff like that. I, I have a mic stand that he made for me and uh, he made some drum stuff for Ray from Korn and um, Head from Korn and some other guys and Alice Cooper's band and so forth. So yeah, check him out, Sawblade Head Designs throw him a little plug there so that's where I met Sean and then we started you know theater of madness and Kurai and went on for you know 10 or 12 years really just honing our craft and our art you know but I had a lot of anger because of what happened in the church and what happened with my family and everything I um 
I got really, uh, you know, just angry and I had a lot of bitterness. And so all this came out in my music and it was getting more aggressive at that time. I was more into Pantera and, um, you know, Sepultura and, you know, the heavier stuff was, was really starting to, to take hold of me. And, and I was really getting into that. So basically we just had a death metal band and we were out there just spewing anger and, and hatred. <laughs> but I still had that, that conviction in my heart to, you know, use all those you know the the power of chi energy and all the things that i was trying to cultivate within myself i wanted to still put that into the music and i was trying to find my way to do it and i think with kurai when we put that together we really started to get it kurai is actually a word that i found in a in a japanese martial arts dictionary that means to achieve a state of mind in which you become one with your art and i really felt that that was perfect for for the band and you know I'm grateful to still be able to use that moniker now uh, with my current version of Kurai out here in LA. So yeah, kind of moving moving forward from there, you know, when I left Ohio, um, Kurai had, had gotten a record deal and we were negotiating a record deal. And then we had another guy come in that, you know, was a friend and he had some connections and things and kind of hooked us up with a few people and helped us kind of get our, our initial deal. And then for whatever reason, we were trying to negotiate something different with somebody else. And then the whole thing kind of fell apart because they brought in some DJ from England that was going to remix our stuff. And it just sounded nothing like what we wanted it to. So we just said, screw you guys, we're out of here. And we, we dropped the whole deal. And shortly after that, we just kind of disbanded and split up and, and moved different places. And I, I really felt at that time it was time to move to California and, and, and try to try to make it out here you know yeah like i said i got out here and after a few months i started you know healer with ivan and martin and then um i had another band called baron von sloth with a couple of roommates of mine that was a lot of fun very system of a down primus kind of we called it caveman thrash funk uh, and you can find some of that stuff out on youtube and my website and so forth but um that was a lot of fun and a really cool experience, but it, that was it, probably the height of my wanting to be a, a rock star and, and life of the party kind of thing. I was really heavily drinking a lot then and just kind of misguided and misdirected a lot and, and that kind of thing. And But I had just kind of, I had been on this, you know, Sufi path for maybe a year or so and I was really discovering a lot, but I just still had all these demons to deal with, I guess, in a lot of ways. and. So I worked through those things and, and stayed on my path and, you know, worked a regular day job and, and did all that for, for a long time. And then I was going through a really discouraging time and I got a, I got a call from a buddy and he's like, Hey, you know, that, um, that guy head from corn that left a couple years ago that, you know, got off of drugs and got saved and became a Christian. Oh yeah. 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 He says, um, well, he's, he's starting up a band now and he, he's looking for guys. He wants to audition. He's doing YouTube video auditions. And I was like, really? So of course I wanted to jump on it as quick as I could. And so I got in, I gotten, you know, got his record and started sitting down and really putting some time in and learning a couple of the tracks and then went and recorded, was about to go record my video. And I, I was at work one day at this job that it was is the worst job I've ever had I worked at a, a realty place out here a big ritzy 
you know, Beverly Hills real estate places and I was doing their print shop or something. And <laughs> my boss just treated me terrible. And every day he'd come in and like quiz me on stuff and try to make me look stupid in front of these agents, you know, like they were all, all might high and mighty. And, uh, I just I hated it I hated being there and I was so depressed one day and I was so aggravated because he just like ride me about stuff and then I get this phone call hey this is uh so-and-so manager Brian Head Welch um we were we were uh given your name by a, a guy down in Hollywood that uh you've done some auditions for before and uh, he said you might be a really good candidate for guitar player for Brian's band and would you be interested in coming to Phoenix and and uh you know auditioning i was like yeah i it's funny you said that because i'm already doing a video right now I'm, I'm already working on it somebody told me about it but that's great that you know you i was referred to you that's that's even better so i really felt at this point i had an edge you know and i went and did my video and i sent it in and the fact that it was phoenix too that he lived in at the time was great because that's where my uh, my wife's family's from and i spent a lot of time out there visiting them so you know i did this video audition and i guess they were going to make the announcement on um i think it was myspace at the time actually uh so they were going to make their big announcement on their myspace page and you know i watched it and followed it and it was probably three or four weeks that that went by and one night i pop on and here it is an announcement and i'm I'm scrolling down and i see you know bass guitar michael valentine drums dan johnson you know it had everybody's um hometown next to it too and i saw sandusky ohio next to lead guitar and i was like yeah and i look at it and it says andrew gerald i'm like who's that guy <laughs> first of all i i know every musician back in sandusky and i don't i've never even heard of this guy and how, how did I not get this gig you know and I was I was so bummed because I was really I really felt in my heart that I was going to get this gig I felt it was perfect for me it was right for me here I am a spiritual guy trying to really you know use music and spirituality and merge it together and, and go out there and do it with metal and here's a guy that in a band that is one of my favorite bands I, I really love Korn and and was really admiring their music a lot really into heavily into you know their stuff at the time that i got this opportunity so i i um sent everything in and i saw that and and i didn't get it and i was extremely distraught and I, what i did is i sat down and i did something that i've never done before um which was i wrote god a letter and I just felt broken at that point. I felt like I moved across the country. I, you know, had this band that was, you know, with these successful people, you know, Ivan and um, Martin from Healer. And, you know, I'm working with guys from White Zombie and Cirque du Soleil. And then I get this other band that was, you know, happening and that fell apart. What's going on? And I just, I sat there crying for a little bit and kind of feeling sorry for myself and getting depressed about it. And then I wrote that letter. And um, I'm actually going to share it with you. I'd like to read it to you because I think it's a really good testament to a couple of different things. But I want to read you this letter and then I'm going to tell you what happened after that. Okay. So this was written. I dated it 310.09. And it goes a little something like this. Come on. Dear God, I want to take a moment to talk to you in a manner much differently than we usually do. 
I know that we've had an inseparable bond and you've answered so many of my prayers that I can't even begin to express my level of gratitude to you for the ceaseless love and guidance that you've given me my whole life. I've never been more alive and awakened than I've been these last few years that I've been here in California, and I'm truly blessed with an incredible wife, an amazing family, and a wealth of spiritual growth that far exceeds anything I could have ever imagined. Again, thank you from the depths of my heart. But my reason for writing you this letter is to hopefully find some answers to some questions that have been painfully burning inside of me for quite some time now. As we have been created in your image, I'm hopeful that as thoughts escape my mind through the tip of this pen, that you may at the same time help me to understand where I may have gone wrong. So here's my issue. Yep, you guessed it, my music career. Where do I fit in the mix? No pun intended. I know that there were many years that I honored and served you with my talents as a young rising rocker. Things seemed to be looking good for a bright future in music. I know that soon after that I fell into a dark existence of anger, bitterness, and self-serving ideology. But you always led me to a greater truth, and I always followed. I understand that I am still working night and day to repay my karmic debts from those few painful years. But you delivered me out of the darkness, and I've been basking in your divine light every moment since. But when it comes down to this music stuff, something's not right, and I need you to help me understand because it's beyond my level of understanding. I've spent over 20 years perfecting my craft, and the whole time I never lost sight of the power of artistic expression. I always tried to spread a message of hope and self-perseverance, even in those dark times. These last few years, my spiritual growth has given me such a profound conviction to reach out to others with displaced anger and suffering, to be a living example of how you are the composer and we are merely the instruments. I've effaced my ego, obliterated the concept of being a rock star, and decided with all absolution to follow your higher calling wherever it may lead. But this instrument's 35 years old, beaten up, broken down, and out of tune. I need a good luthier to reconstruct me, refret my neck, wind the pickups nice and tight, string me up, and intonate me so your song will carry in the way that it was intended. Your music is so intense, so profound, and transformative that it needs to resonate from the depths of the oceans to the peaks of the Himalayas and beyond. I'm playing your song and my fingers are bleeding now more than ever. God, if I'm learning the notes incorrectly, then give me perfect pitch. If I'm mispronouncing your lyrics, then infuse me with the power of the word. If my amplifier is distorting the purity of your divine sound, then recone my speakers and turn off the effects. I need to know that I'm performing your sacred symphony correctly and expressively. Please send me a new songbook with detailed notation so that I can be the divine expression of you. Then take me on the road with you to tell the masses of the beautiful music of the beloved. Raise my voice to stream out to the world that they may also long to be tuned to your frequency of inner peace and love. God, please fix this instrument and play it until it can't be played anymore. And even then, may its sound forever resonate in the hearts of many. I am yours now and forever. SVH. So I wrote this letter 
I don't even think I read it after I wrote it. And I just, it was in a little notebook. I closed the notebook and I shoved it in a drawer. And I didn't really think much more about it. I thought about how upset I was that I didn't get the gig and I kind of sulked about that for two or three days. Then I got a phone call from Head's manager and he said, hey, uh, would you still be interested in coming out and doing an audition? What, what happened? I thought you guys found somebody. He said, yeah, we did, but uh, you know, he really didn't feel that he could vibe with the message and you know, kind of really wasn't into what, what Brian's about and decided to you know, back out of the, the gig. And turns out he went, went on to play bass for Marilyn Manson. Yeah, I was like floored. Whoa, are you kidding me? And so I, I'm driving out there two days later. I crammed, you know, like learned the whole album in a couple days. Went out there, started rehearsing with the band. He wasn't even there yet. Um, and the manager came in and said, well, you know, Brian's probably not going to make it over today. He hurt his back last night and he's not feeling so great. So... I was so bummed. I was like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this so long. Come on. And, uh, but he ended up showing up and I played like, I think half a song for him or maybe a whole song. Uh, and he was like, cool, dude. I got a good feeling about you. I think you're in. I was like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And we really, we really built a good bond, um, early on. He, he was really into mystical Christianity and, and still is to, to my knowledge, and uh, didn't really understand Sufism or a lot of what I was putting out with that, but, ooh, you know. But we definitely, uh, you know, had a bond in terms of, you know, wanting to experience God um, in a deep, personal way. And so, yeah, I, I drove out there, got the gig, and was just super stoked and spent several months rehearsing and getting, getting ready to go out and over the course of about two and a half years, I was with him and got to go to about 17 different countries and tour the United States a couple times. And uh, what an amazing experience. And I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, very thankful for Brian taking me on and, and allowing me to do that. About four years ago, I, we had a daughter and um, we were getting ready. My my daughter was about two months away away from being from her birthday and um we were getting ready to go on a tour and we brought in some new management and they really just kind of chopped us off at the knees a little bit in regards to our pay and things like that and i was really struggling the whole time that i was in the band when we were really struggling and, and, and everybody was you know he was going through a hard time too he was he was you know flipping the bill for everything and um, struggling and you know people coming after him for things and so it was it was a hard time for everybody you know and um, I think if things financially could have worked out you know differently I'd, st I'd still be a part of the band but unfortunately I had to I had to duck out yeah much to my dismay but I left the band in 2012 I think it was and my last show was a huge festival in New Zealand called the Parachute Festival, and it was a really incredible experience. And I remember being backstage, like tearing up from being emotional at how awesome it was, and like giving Brian this super big hug. And I said, "Dude, if you ever want to get rid of me, you're gonna have to get a restraining order against me because I ain't going nowhere, brother." I said, "This is where I need to be," and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. <laughs> and then a month later, I had to quit. 
So it was really difficult, and it's still hard um, sometimes to to look at that situation. And you know, I feel bad the way I I left so abruptly and um, things like that. But they got a great replacement, and um, yeah, they've done some some really amazing stuff, and they've really grown and, and moved on. So I'm, I'm happy for him. And he's back in corn and very happy and and working on some stuff there. So. Yeah, so that's really kind of my musical history up to there and, and kind of where the spirits led me. And these last four years, I've uh, been focusing on holistic musician and my website and, you know, blogging and, and, you know, writing some content. I've written for a couple of different guitar uh, websites and magazines and things like that. And just really feel a strong tug at my heart to share this stuff uh, about music and spirituality and and just from my own experience and my own journey of you know having complete faith in god and just letting go and just saying you know what i i don't care anymore i'm tired of kicking this can down the street so you tell me where to go you tell me where you want me to take this thing and he answered and you know so from that i i've really that's been another it's almost it was almost like another initiation you know and i i feel like now i i truly understand my purpose and my purpose isn't really to be a rock star and tour the world per se it's really to be um or to be a big rock star and be well known and famous and all that it's really about just sharing truth you know and the things that i've learned along the ways and all experience that i've taken in to be able to share that with people and to be able to hopefully be a light in to somebody else who's in a dark place and, you know, to just kind of be a lamp to help light the way. That's, that's what I hope to do. And I really hope that you enjoy uh, these podcasts. This first one is really, again, it's just a lot of me talking about myself and I apologize for that. I just kind of wanted to really give everybody a, a background as to what, uh, what I'm all about and what I do and what, what drove me to this path. And, to want to share these things and yeah i hope you enjoyed it and i really look forward to sharing with you some more insights and some more things in the coming weeks i have a another really great podcast coming up um which features my teacher uh, tasneem you're gonna love it and just i really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to the program and again i want to thank the church of all burbank and tasneem hermila fernandez for all of your support and your guidance and i really want to thank uh, the guys at personas audio electronics makers of studio one version three which i'm using exclusively for for everything that i record including these podcasts they they make incredible software really cool company and just great people and i appreciate being a part of their roster so i want to give them a shout out and uh, i want to ask that everybody take a moment and go to www.holisticmusician.com check out my uh, website and you know lots of stuff on there like i said i've got all the old caravan of souls um, archives up there a lot of content from our our gatherings the readings and written stuff as well as video and, and audio of some of the, the evenings and things like that. A lot of articles, a lot of great things from a lot of the different magazines and things that I've written for are up there. Just tons of great content. So yeah, pop on there and, and spend a little time and get to know, uh, get to know some of what we do over there and uh, give us a shout, you know, email us at info at holisticmusician.com. This is Scott Von Hill signing off.